So happy to have you with us this week on the show. For week two of Stress Awareness Month, April 2023, I am coming back to the topic of stress, but today I am diving in just on what I think are the most effective stress busters, how we can disengage from stress, how we can stop using those stress builders that keeps exacerbating the problems, and how you can bust stress with some simple, easy, doable tips, practices, habits that you can start accumulating today. So glad to have you with us. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome back. I am so happy to have you with me this week on the show, week two of Stress Awareness Month, as I'm recording it for you in April of 2023. And so to build on last week's episode where I took a look at the scope, the impact of stress in our Western lifestyles, in our workplaces, and how you can start to turn the tides, this week I wanted to really dig into how you can turn the tables on stress, or as how I like to say, how you can flip the script on stress, how you can start to feel more empowered and less at the whim of the stressors that show up throughout life, whether you're at work, at home, in relationship, just in your own personal physical health. There are all of these aspects, as we talked about last week, the physical, the emotional, and the environmental aspects through which stressors find us. And the influence of those stressors on our bodies and on our emotions is stress itself. So first clarifying that the stressors bring us stress and the stress is what we are dealing with and trying to resolve, to feel more empowered in how we meet it through the course of daily life. And that's what I have for you today. I've got some stress busters that I think are the most effective ways to handle stress when it shows up in your life. And along with those, I've got some stress builders. I've got the hazards, the tools that you might be leaning on, or I should say crutches or habits that we build in response to stress. And so we're going to take a look at those. We're going to tease those parts. And as always, I encourage you to keep it simple. If something stands out for you, maybe you resonate with one of these stress builders and that this is something that you are leaning on, or if one of these stress busters feels appealing to you, feels like that is something that's easy to incorporate, then I encourage you to take action in a small way, if that works for you. But as soon as possible, if even today, start to change your perspective, start to change your approach and feel more empowered in approaching the stress that we meet throughout our daily lives. First of all, we'll start with the heavy stuff. We'll start with taking a look at one or some of the ways you might be coping with stress in your life. And these don't help you to build resilience. These don't help you to build a healthier relationship with stress, but in the heat of it, 
right? When we're in the frenzy, when we're just caught in reaction mode and we don't get to choose how we're responding to things, sometimes these crutches come into play and then they can be hard to let go of until we can replace them with something more beneficial, a more positive habit or way of being or perspective. And I'll be sharing those with you when we get to the stress busters. So first of all, many people recognize, and it helps to understand there's some biological reasoning behind cravings when we are stressed out. It is pretty universal. And in fact, it's a biological function of stress that when we are feeling stressed, we crave not just food, but sugar. We crave sugar because this is the fuel that our body needs, if we need to take flight, if we need to implement that biological reaction to save ourselves from stress. Traditionally, back in the day, thousands of years ago, stress just meant something that we need to remove ourselves from in order to survive. The legendary tiger hiding in the bush. And so after all those biological functions, which we'll get into in just a minute, we need that fuel to run, to take flight. And so stress leads us to crave the food that gives us simple fuel, and that is sugar. So knowing this, being prepared for this, having some alternatives, which will also help you satiate that craving, whether that is crunchy or savory, something that is filling, having extra water on hand, because oftentimes when we're dehydrated, that comes across as a craving, and many of us are dehydrated. So having some alternatives, something appealing to you, something that is nourishing and comforting when you can expect stress is going to be coming up or perhaps even an emergency stash in your desk. I like to keep little single serving packets of nuts. Nuts are phenomenal superfood. They've got the healthy fats that we need. They've got protein. They slow digestion. So we're not having a sugar spike. And you can usually incorporate these unless you have any other dietary restrictions or issues without much collateral damage, unlike sugar. When you snack on sugar, it's going to spike your blood sugar, which is then going to drop off. And then you are on the roller coaster, my friend, as if stress wasn't enough of a roller coaster already, those cravings, that blood sugar cycle is a hard ride to hop off of. So if you can avoid it altogether and be prepared for these cravings of sugar so that you can divert your mind, satiate those cravings, and avoid the issue. Other numbing behaviors are other stress builders that I see a lot of people subscribing to. And certainly over the last few years, we have all picked up some less than healthy habits. So some numbing behaviors that you might have seen or heard or even experienced yourself are, again, as we, we do like to console ourselves with food, but also with alcohol or as other drugs are becoming more accessible and even acceptable, cannabis on a regular basis, other things that help us check out for a little bit, right? That help to tame that stress response so we feel a little less triggered but at the same time on the other end of the spectrum when we're numbing out from stress we're numbing out from the rest of our relationships and i touched on this last week so i won't go too far down this particular topic but 
any of these habits that you use to turn off your brain without getting to the root cause, without asking why it is that our brain is so busy, without asking ourselves why our emotions are so uncomfortable, without having some healthy exploration and willingness to get to the root of the situation, to experience the emotions. When you're trying to put a lid on things or dampen these emotions, it's really important to Look for opportunities, start with baby steps. Maybe if you're looking to engage in one of these numbing behaviors, grab a notebook and just start free writing. Just get your thoughts out of your head and onto paper. Give yourself a few minutes, write until your hand starts to cramp a little bit. Get the brain connected with your hands and see what comes up. Because often below that surface level, there are things that are worth exploring. It could be today's events. It could be childhood events that are coming back triggered by something you experienced. But get in the practice of being more brave with yourself, having the courage to face the things that are uncomfortable and not turning to methods in which you can feel more numbed out, more blissed out. And I'm not going to say 100% of the time, never indulge in these things, but just recognize if this is a daily practice, or if this is what your social engagements rely on, start to look for ways to separate these things because these as habits can be very difficult to shift if you want to be healthier, if you want to be happier, if you want to have more authentic and engaged connection with the people that you love. These are some things that could be getting in the way. So I just want you to be aware of that and looking for opportunities to stop leaning on crutches that aren't as healthy for you. One other stress builder, one other hazard that I hear people engaging in, misery loves company, right? Sometimes when we are talking, when we are connecting with people, that connection might be arising from sharing grievances, right? Airing all of those sour grapes, if you will. The things that we love to hash over, to talk about the bad experiences, the who's done you wrong stories, all of that. Once you have an audience, it's it can be easy to let that tape go and even let that story go on repeat. You got to wonder sometimes how many times your best friends and confidants have heard you complaining about the same things. If you'd put the same energy into shifting those things, where could you be? But it's comforting. It's consoling, especially when we find a good listener, someone who validates and affirms it's not us, it's them, it's it, it's that life situation. But I encourage you to avoid going down that negative path and engaging in that. We certainly can't argue with it. Misery does love company. There's always solidarity when there's complaints to be aired. Bad news travels faster than good. And yet I encourage you to look for more positive methods of engagement. I'm not saying ignore it. We're going to get into what toxic positivity looks like. But what I am talking about is looking for ways to avoid just validating the negative in every experience and looking instead for solutions, being positive-minded. Another topic that we'll be diving into in a few minutes. So since I just brought up toxic positivity and with a show called Happified, you might wonder if I am one of these people, right? Who are these people who say you just need to be more positive, be happier? Are you plastering smiley faces around the world and thinking that is a job well done? I certainly do not. I think there's a lot of nuance in 
I would say everything. <laughs> I'm a very living in the middle of the spectrum kind of girl. I'm not this all or nothing kind of situation reader. What I am is someone who recognizes there are bad situations. There are difficult times. There are struggles throughout life. And if you spend all your time focusing on the negative, you will keep finding evidence to that case. And I found out when I was younger, when I was waiting tables, that if I shifted myself towards positive, it became easier to get to that place. But that is not moving through the world with blinders on. I am not encouraging you to pretend nothing is wrong so that you can feel happy. Big air quotes on that. Because feeling happy when we can't be present in the moment, when we can't be authentically engaged, that's not the kind of honest emotion that we're looking for. It's certainly not the kind of emotion that is healthy or that can be habit building. Right. So toxic positivity is just that. It is people who hold on so tightly to the idea that we must all be smiling. We have to be happy in the end, that we have to be happy all the way along the process, and that there isn't room for any uncomfortable emotions. Notice I didn't say negative emotions. I don't believe that there are negative emotions. All emotions are messages from our life experiences, the way that we perceive them and process them, the way that we move through the world. They're all learning lessons for us. So rather than looking at emotions that are uncomfortable as negative, let's give them the space to be. Let's take them as they are, messengers with lessons for us so that we can move through them. So uncomfortable emotions aren't something to be avoided. And in fact, the less you try to avoid them, the more quickly you can usually move through them. Unless there are other issues going on, unless there's deeper wounds or trauma, unless there are neurochemical imbalances, unless we are deficient in the nutrients that we need. There's other ways in which we can compromise our ability to feel the more comfortable emotions, the more desirable emotions. But I reject the idea that we have negative emotions or that happiness is the only emotion worth aspiring to. Often I use happiness as a container for other emotions like feeling comfortable, peaceful, pleasant, complacent, right? Feeling at peace is something that might be lumped under the category of happiness without that false indication or urge to broadcast happiness when it is not aligned or authentic. So toxic positivity is something that I feel like people are delivering what's expected of them and not able to engage, or maybe it's a shortcut they're bypassing the harder work of making peace with those heavier emotions. But I encourage you to look for ways to be more honest in how you're feeling. And as my wonderful guest, Amelia Nagoski, and her sister, Emily, say in their work, and I shared about the books, Burnout, Completing the Stress Cycle, recognizing that emotions are tunnels. We have to move through them to be free of them. And the more we do, the more comfortable we come with the process, the more easily it happens time and again. So sometimes you have to go out on faith, but trust that in the end, the process is going to carry you through, no matter how heavy, how uncomfortable an emotion can feel. 
whether you need to enlist proper support, practitioners, even medication when it's warranted, you can move through these things. Believe that you deserve to move through these things and don't resign yourself to giving up. There are so many extraordinary therapies and practitioners available. And if that's somewhere where you're struggling, please let me know. There may be someone in my network that I would love to connect you with, but in the meantime, please believe that it is worth it. You are worth finding the people who can understand you and start to support you as you become strong enough to face these uncomfortable emotions with honesty. So beyond toxic positivity, one other thing that I think people let become bigger than they are, they let this become the elephant in the room. People believe that stress is debilitating. And when you believe that stress is stronger than you are, that you're not up to the challenge of managing stress, I think it points out just how much of a psychological game stress can be, how it influences us and how we take command of the situation, how much we sit back and feel defeated as soon as stress shows up, or how much we can stand in our own power, defend ourselves, and declare we want something different. Some people feel enhanced by stress. And again, there is nuance in everything. I do not think that stress should be the only fuel that is moving you forward, but it can be an incentivizer. It can help you have that boost, get some energy, some traction to move out of a place where you feel stuck or you've had some learning challenges. So understand there's different perceptions of stress. Some see it as debilitating. Some see it as enhancing. That's actually scientific kind of categories from the field of positive psychology. And we'll take a deeper look at that soon as well. And understand that perception is powerful. And don't believe that your stress is stronger than you are. You might need to enlist some help and support. In fact, I encourage you to do so and know that there is a way through for you. So those are hot picks from my list, things that can help stress build up, help it feel overwhelming and overpowering, help us feel more challenged and worn down by it. And so in order to turn the tables, in order to flip the script on stress, if you're wondering how can I get from seeing stress as debilitating to seeing stress as enhancing, then here are the tools that I think are the most beneficial and supportive that anyone can start to employ in any order, but I've listed them in what I believe are the easiest to incorporate and most powerful. So you might consider them in this order and see what jumps out at you from this list. But number one, something that you have been doing since you, the moment you were born and yet the most underutilized tool that we have to come back into balance is our breath. My number one stress buster is breathing. Simply Belly breathing is very powerful. It engages the diaphragm. It draws air more deeply into your lungs. It has a more successful exchange of oxygen to release the carbon dioxide that's accumulating from your body. And exhale is simply releasing the waste from the cellular processes within your body. And an inhale is the opportunity for your body to bring in the oxygen that it needs. This transfer happens in the lungs, but often if you just experience yourself taking a breath without changing your physiology at all, you might notice that your shoulders raise or your chest might move a bit. 
rather than your belly moving. And when your belly moves, that means your diaphragm is engaged and you're getting more oxygen into your chest cavity where you need it, really filling those lungs. So beyond that, if you need a little bit of a technique for breathing, then I love the pranayama breathing technique that was popularized by Andrew Wheel, Dr. Wheel, the four, seven, eight breath that Dr. Wheel popularized is really powerful because as you exhale, if your exhale is longer and slower than your inhale, you are changing the pressure in that chest cavity and you're physically able to slow your heart rate. And if you're familiar with how stress feels in your body, I bet you would identify that one of the things you notice is your heart starts pounding. It feels like your heart speeds up. And that is because of that biological reaction. We need to shift energy. We need to be prepared to run. And so our circulation changes. You can reclaim control over that and shift from sympathetic back to parasympathetic stress state out of fight, flight, or freeze into rest and digest by engaging your breath. And so the four, seven, eight is simply to begin any good breath exercise, exhale, release any stale air, have a nice complete exhale, inhale for a count of four, as slowly as you're comfortably able to do. And then hold your breath at the top for a count of seven. And then exhale for a count of eight. And as you participate in this four, seven, eight breath, you'll find you're able to slow these counts down. But engaging your mind in the counting can help some of that mental chatter to quiet down. And by slowing your breath and feeling as if you're filling it down into your belly, which is really just a euphemism for the way that your diaphragm is moving, you can come back to center and calm your breath. And this, like other exercises that I encourage, is best practiced not only in times of stress, it's hard to remember these things if you're not familiar with them at those moments when you need them the most. So try to engage in this breath, at least three of these four, seven, eight breaths, more if you'll indulge in the time, twice a day. And so then you have this practice built, you're engaging these muscles, if you will, this mental balance muscle, this moving yourself into parasympathetic balanced stress state, even when you are not stressed. So again, your body develops this memory. And as you are stressed, when you employ this breath, it is easier again to move back into balance. So the four, seven, eight breath technique would be the one breath exercise I would recommend to you. There are many different types of breath work available, all very beneficial. And I'll leave you with this as an example of just how much we all could use enhancing and focusing on our breath at least a couple of times a day. They find in research that as we are reading on the computer, as we're reading email, most people hold their breath. And so if you're looking for a reason why we tend to feel stressed through the course of the day at work, why work stress adds up, think about how much time you spend reading and responding to emails. And if you can, pay attention to how you behave physically when you're doing that. Do you catch yourself holding your breath when you're sitting at the computer? 
So I hope that this is one that stands out for you, but I've got more to employ. So keep on bearing with me here as we explore more stress busters. Number two on my favorites list here is laughter. Finding something that just makes you have a good, authentic laugh, a belly laugh, if you will indulge in it, is I think one of the best medicines we can employ. If there's a comedian, a funny movie that you always enjoy, go to those when you need to turn down the volume on stress. About a month ago, we got together as a family and I learned my stepdaughter had never seen Dennis Leary's No Cure for Cancer, which is something in the mid-90s we watched ad nauseum in college. I could recite every word. And so we queued that up and it just triggered so many happy memories, but also hearing those jokes again and hearing how humor wears over time is also very interesting. But I encourage you to choose one or a few comedians who you really enjoy, if it's clean humor, if it's work humor, if it's something that resonates with you, and look for ways to use that as needed to lighten the mood. Save an audio track on your music device so you can play that anytime you need to lift your spirits. I knew one woman who dealt with her mega commute. It was at least an hour and a half each way without traffic by listening to comedy every day. And she was one of the most positive people that I've met. So big fan of laughter. Do incorporate it as you can. And if you want to go the extra mile or if you're curious about how people are using laughter as medicine and therapeutically, take a look at laugh yoga. And there are laughing meetup groups even where people are getting together. So laugh yoga is essentially, I'm not a practitioner, so forgive me for oversimplifying, but getting together in a group and laughing. And you start out with what perhaps is an artificial kind of a laugh. And once it's going, it's contagious. And the entire room can be in stitches. It's really a funny thing to watch. It's a delicious energy to be a part of. It feels a little awkward as you're starting out, but it becomes a very good medicine. And laughter is so healing. Really gives all of those internal organs a terrific workout. Next on my list of stress busters is to move. It's been proven that as few as 10 minutes of exercise every day helps people start to overcome issues like depression and minor chronic pain, but also movement helps you metabolize the hormones of stress, adrenaline and cortisol. And if you're sitting at a desk and receiving stress all day long, and those hormones don't have anywhere to go, they build up in your body and they're not only physically uncomfortable, but they take a toll on your organs. So get up and move just 10 minutes a day, but hopefully you'll aim for more than that something I'm working on myself. And my favorite go-to when I really need to shift my energy to change my mood, to bring myself out of a difficult meeting or engagement or a project that's just been wearing me down if I'm feeling the stress is to dance. So I have on YouTube put together a music playlist of happy music that I love to dance around to. I can include that link to the happy music. And I'm always open to suggestions if you have a song that gets you moving every time. But create that for yourself. Spend a little time or just start making a list as you hear songs that come to you and give yourself that kind of therapeutic playlist. You certainly deserve it. And I think you'll be surprised to see it just how quickly and dramatically it can shift your energy. So on the other side of the coin, as I was talking about earlier, sharing that misery because it does love company, 
the talk and connection, communication aspect of being able to shift stress is so powerful. So coming into connection is very therapeutic. And in fact, researchers notice that while we all benefit from connection, women in particular, as a way to deal with stress and move through it, we are the ones who tend and befriend, right? We are the caretakers traditionally, and we befriend each other. We create community to lift each other up. Historically, perhaps that was also for reasons of safety as well. If women are not as strong, banding together and using that strength in numbers was very beneficial as society. But recognizing that having the opportunity to share, to speak to someone, to air what has been bothering you, to receive support is deeply powerful. So finding a friend, finding a coworker, if you're able to avoid going down that negative rabbit hole and only really dwelling on the negative things, but if you find a person who can with you help to take things more positive and not get stuck in all that's wrong with the world, but start being more positive minded and see again, there's that difference. I'm not asking for toxic positivity. This isn't about ignoring what's wrong, but instead I'm asking to open up your perspectives, to look for examples of what is going right or ways to shift a situation so that you can allow more things to be moving in a better direction. And that always helps to share ideas with someone else, to receive ideas, to have something that you say be heard and reflected back. You might be missing something that's right in front of you that could be a brilliant solution. So being in connection, feeling supported, and also in giving support. By giving, we also receive. And so if there's someone else who is going through stress, who you're able to support by simply listening, by if they are willing, offering suggestions. Sometimes it's not about the nail. If you've seen that video, people don't always want the solution for, to their problem to be handed to them. Sometimes they just need to feel heard. And then they can release that energy, the charge in that situation, and have more capacity to see and think clearly and move through it. So look for ways to connect. And if you have issues still, we're coming back from this very isolated lifestyle now and re-emerging is difficult. One of my favorite places to find active groups of people with shared interests is meetup.com. I'm certainly not an affiliate for them, but they are across the US and I'm sure they're practically global in their organization. And you can find groups of all interests and varieties anywhere around, anywhere you are and look for that. So if you're interested in getting outdoors and doing hiking, but would like some hiking buddies, if you're interested in creativity and art play, if you're interested in great food and wine, comedy, there are groups for all of these topics. So if you're having trouble feeling connected with like-minded people, this is a great place to get started. The next on my list of stress busters, a rather dull topic, but a deeply effective one is sleep. So if this is something that you struggle with, please let me know. I will share my resources with you, but I will just simply say sleep is one of the best gifts you can give yourself. 
At the same time, a lot of the time at the end of the day, we feel like it's finally our turn and we don't want to go to bed. Sometimes that stubborn toddler within us comes out. But I encourage you to shift or reframe your perspective on sleep and look at that as something deeply beneficial, not something that you resent. It's not weakness that we all need sleep, but by giving yourself quality sleep, by doing the little bit it takes to clean up your sleep hygiene, to protect that time for yourself, to be as consistent as possible, you're helping your memory, you're helping your energy, you're helping your emotions, you're helping your all around health. And all of this just for the simple and biologically important action of getting sleep. Now, Sometimes work, life, everything contributes to interrupting some sleep. And so I also want to drop a little bit of a prompt or a nudge towards trying a power nap. If you take a nap around 15 minutes or so, definitely less than 20 minutes, but perhaps 10 minutes wants to be a little bit longer for you. Look for ways, a quiet space where you can stretch out, even if that's in your car on your lunch break. And take a 10-minute nap. Just disengage, get away from devices. Don't sit at your desk and pretend not to look at your computer screen. But a power nap can be also a very beneficial little jumpstart to get you through the rest of the day. So sleep is a powerful tool. I hope it can come back into good favor. We can start to curry this again. Another stress buster is meditations. Again, meditations can be difficult. I myself have trouble sitting still and cultivating a peaceful and quiet mind, but that's why I've created my meditation library. So now available in my digital library, in my resources, I have meditations recorded with some neutral music, applying to many different topics and themes with different objectives or intentions for these meditations. And if you'd like to take a look at those, the link for that will be in the show notes. That is something that with a one-time purchase, you have permanent access to the library. There's over 30 meditations with more being added all the time. As I develop them for different programs and courses, this will be my repository of recorded meditations. So if being able to close your eyes and feel guided by someone else's voice feels beneficial for you, this is a tool that I've created that I'm really thrilled to now be able to share. So I'll have that information in the show notes. Coming down to it, but next on my list to move the needle on stress, to bust stress when it shows up is getting your hands dirty. And maybe this doesn't apply to absolutely everyone, but I think it applies to most. And whether getting your hands dirty means getting out in the yard or working in your garden, if it means getting crafty or working with paint, or even if you're a fiber artist doing some knit or crochet or something, getting your hands busy, engaging your creativity and switching your mental focus from the source of the stress into something that's more neutral. Because sometimes the greatest solutions come to us when we're not focusing on the problem. So get your hands dirty, get outside of the box, away from the desk, off of the sofa, away from the television, and look for ways in which you can let your mind wander, let creativity find you, and um, let the feelings of awe and wonder come into your life because they are beautiful bookmarks of experience. And when you feel like life is whizzing by far too quickly, opportunities for awe and wonder 
looking at these little shoots breaking out of the ground in your garden, looking at what is coming to life on the page under your hands, whether you start with a blank page or you start with a paint by number. Give yourself space. And so I think that getting your hands dirty is a beautiful way to do just that. And then I'd like to invite you to use some of the tools that are coming from the field of positive psychology, some of these perspectives that are so powerful. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, people tend to fall into two categories, viewing stress as enhancing or debilitating. Too much to the end of the spectrum in either case is not healthy. We don't want to be running only on stress. We don't want to be running only at the 11th hour, right at the deadline, running on that kind of like anxious and irritable fuel that is stress and adrenaline. But we also don't want to feel like any and all stress is detrimental, that we're not up to the challenge, that we're overwhelmed as soon as stress finds us. Finding somewhere in the middle of that where it's enhancing but not the only fuel that you run on is really empowering. There was a study done at Yale with students who were showed two videos. And these two videos were exactly the same in their list of the physical impacts of stress. The changes in circulation, as I mentioned, breathing becomes more shallow. Your focus becomes narrowed. The circulation of your blood changes away from your internal organs to your major muscle groups. All of these physical reactions of stress but in one video, they were painted as a way in which your body is enhanced. It is primed to respond and effective because of the influence of stress. And in the other one, all of these descriptions were painted as ways in which your body is weakened or harmed, and you are unable to overcome these in the face of stress. The only difference is how these same lists of physical experiences and symptoms were portrayed or received. And in those studies, people who were showed the video that these aspects of stress enhance you, prime you, help you be more available to respond. These students had a, reading off the list now, of results, 23% drop in fatigue and other stress-related symptoms, which include backaches, headaches, digestive complaints, et cetera. So by helping people see that we can change our perspective of stress, that the same physical impact can be viewed two different ways and have two very different outcomes, I hope is a little bit empowering and enlightening for you to see that we can change our perspective on stress. So my favorite tool for that, you hear me share it at the top of many episodes, is Positive Prime. And you can learn more about that on Happified Life at the top of the page, the Start off happy button takes you to a page where you can learn more about it. You can check out a free trial. I highly encourage you. It's one of my favorite practices. But also some other tips that I have gleaned over the years through the books created by Sean Aker, who is a wonderful researcher, again, in this field of positive psychology, exploring positive genius, which he proposes as the fourth essential kind of intelligence or quotient that we gauge. You're all familiar with IQ and our basic fundamental knowledge and intelligence. We also have come to appreciate the importance of emotional intelligence, understanding our own emotions and those of other people, and social intelligence, understanding how those 
lead us to react and how we work together in a social group because we are social beings. And so the positive genius then is the fourth aspect, that ability from which we can see the potential for positive outcomes, right? As I was saying, people tend to see things as negative and everything's not going to go their way or positive and things tend to be in their favor. The more you can, and this is something you can train your brain to do, look for the positive opportunity or option, the more you can see it in the wisdom that you have, in the emotions that you feel, in the social engagements that you have. Having that positive genius, being able to expect there is a solution available, helps us to carry through situations that otherwise would feel impossible. Because if we can't fathom how there's a way we could possibly succeed, we will not find a way to get there. But if we can conceive that there is a way to move forward, then the distance doesn't feel as long. The slope doesn't feel as high. The goal doesn't feel as impossible. And sometimes just simply taking one step and then the next and the next is enough to get there. And if we can maintain the hope to get there, we can keep moving instead of getting stuck and weighed down and held back by the expectation of disappointment. So positive genius is another aspect I find interesting. He explores that quite a bit in his book, Before Happiness. I really highly recommend it. It's a terrific book for yourself or if you work with teams. And then finally, one of the exercises that Sean recommends, this is something that he explores also in the happiness advantage, is um, they've been able to assess with a number of different exercises how we can start to build more positivity. And as we build this positivity muscle, if you will, it's actually using neuroplasticity to train our brain to look for more positive things because fundamentally we are wired to respond to stress and move away from stress, which usually means towards safety. But if we can teach our brain that beyond that simple wiring and programming, we can move towards positive outcomes. We can move towards positive feelings. We can move towards feeling gratitude. We can move towards the good feeling we get about ourselves after we complete exercise every day or doing something kind for someone else. Then our brain starts to take that on as a default. And that starts to bring more positivity, which then helps to facilitate that positive genius I was just talking about. So if you're interested in finding out what they used in that happiness challenge that Sean Acor and fellow researchers have used to quantify how much we can change our happiness set point. I'll make that available. And that is these exercises you choose from one of five that they used in different studies over the course of 21 days. And they were able to see measurable differences in people's general feelings of positivity and well-being. So that was a lot of ground to cover. My stress busters and stress builders, the things that we let build stress and the way that we can bust stress and flip the script and feel more empowered. So I'd love to know for you, did you see any of those stress builders, those coping mechanisms or habits that you have employed or that you're ready to shift away from? Or what of the stress busters appeals to you most? Which are you ready to put to practice and start moving the needle on stress so you can feel more balanced more of the time. 
Balance isn't a destination or a goal. It isn't a fixed picture. I envision balance like a teeter-totter, right? It's moving. It is in the right place at the right time. But we're in control of this situation, the definition of balance, whatever that is for us at that given moment. And I hope for you. I hope for you that you find ways to bring joy, to bring ease and flow into your life as you stop letting stress take the wheel. So thank you for joining me today. Join me on happifiedlife.com. You're always welcome to leave a comment there or over in the Facebook group, Live With Less Stress. And until next time, take good care of yourself. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. Subscribe on your favorite player to catch the next episode as soon as it's out. Sharing really is caring, so please rate and review the show while you're there. And if you know someone else who would love it, please pass it along. Until next time, my friends, keep on shining.